Welcome back to the Seriously Stem Cells podcast, where we discuss everything stem cells. I am Pim. And I'm Ayo. On today's episode, we are going to continue our exploration into the world of stem cells. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. A quick trigger warning before we start. In this episode, we discuss topics centering around weight and weight loss and diet culture. If you feel that these topics may be triggering for you, feel free to switch over to another of our episodes. Um, and then without further ado, let's kick it off. Yes. Hi, everybody. Um, it's a very, very um, interesting week this week uh, because I am away from London. But uh, I'm really happy to do this one um, because we found a very interesting topic we wanted to talk about for a while now. Exactly. I don't know if you guys have heard of the drug Ozempic. Um, a lot of different celebrities have been uh, rumoured to have been using Ozempic, which is a weight loss drug it's also used to treat type 2 diabetes um so we wanted to discuss how it works and then how stem cells might be able to treat type 1 diabetes and potentially type 2 diabetes in the future um so azempic or the azempic is a glp analog so glp stands for glucagon like peptide 1 receptor I don't expect you guys to remember that, because um, <laughs> I surely don't. Um, so a GLP is a type of incretin um, mimicker, which, so it's a compound that mimics incretin, which is a compound that triggers the body to secrete insulin. So you have two types, you have GLP, type 1 and you have GIP. So um, in type 2 diabetes, um, GIP or glucose dependent insulin trophic peptide um, doesn't work. So it doesn't um, trigger the body to secrete insulin, which helps us control our blood sugar. Um, But GLP still works. So um, drug companies are like, hey, how can we figure out a way to utilize this to um, treat type 2 diabetes where you don't have proper insulin control of your blood sugar? So there are two ways that we can um, use this to our advantage. The first one is to prevent the breakdown of the GLP-1 compound. Um, So the GLP-1 compound is normally broken down by an enzyme, but if you stop this from being broken down, then it prolongs the effect of the compound at its receptor in the brain, and so more insulin secretion is promoted. The other way, which is the way that Ozempic works, and drugs like Ozempic work, is by um, giving a compound to someone with type 2 diabetes, for example, that is similar in structure to the GLP-1 compound. So it can also bind to the GLP-1 receptor that you find in the brain, like a lock and key method almost. And uh, this will stimulate insulin secretion and then hopefully control the person's blood sugar better. So this is also helpful for treating people with obesity um, because this helps to suppress your appetite and gives you the feeling of being full. Um, And so in conjunction with other weight loss um, protocols like exercising, diet and all of that, 
um, lifestyle changes and that can promote weight loss. And this has been, they've done trials on this and it's been funded by um, drug, co drug companies. So take that as you will. Um, but they have found that to be effective and it is a legitimate treatment for obesity and for type 2 diabetics. That's quite good to know, really, that like some drugs actually are doing what they're supposed to do and it's been sort of proved or regulated under, you know, um, regulatory bodies that needs to be. Uh, so that's really good to know, I would say. Very interesting. Um, I wonder, though, does this drug have like any side effects? Because I read a little bit about how, OK, the common stuff is probably constipation and diarrhea, but it says that specifically for people who have diabetic eye disease and they are using insulin that these types of well ozempic drug might lead to worsening of the vision and might require like further treatments so maybe the drug doesn't come without any other sort of you know consequences and i'm not sure if that's been like spoke about in the press yeah as well i think the it's something that's prescribed to you as well so i'm guessing a doctor would take into consideration all of your all the things that you're presenting with and prescribe you with the best medication for you but even i've heard i've watched different videos about people talking about their experience on ozempic who are taking it yes. for weight loss not necessarily as treatment for type 2 diabetes and they found that they talked about coming off ozempic and what that's like and apparently you have you can put put on weight coming off ozempic because you start to feel hungrier because you don't have that appetite suppression anymore. So it's interesting that it's not only side effects of being on the drugs, but one of the side effects of coming off the drug as well. Right. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because, yeah, you would think that your doctors will probably tell you all the side effects, but there could be additional ones that um, once you've stopped using it. And I'm not sure if this is like an over-counter drug at all for like weight loss, because is that something that doctors prescribe then? Right. I think it's prescribed to you. But that being said, I think they've had a, a spike in people taking Ozempic because of celebrities talking about it recently. Yeah. We tried to have a quick search about who's actually taken Ozempic. I think mm. maybe, um, I think Mindy Kaling's rumoured to have taken it. Uh, Sharon Osbourne, I think, might have taken it. I've heard rumours about the Kardashians. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. So, I think people are hearing about it a lot more, so more likely to take it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I think that definitely sort of, like, pushes is more people to try this new drug but obviously like you said probably spike some sort shortages of um, the drug for people who actually needs it like type 2 diabetes people who definitely would need the drug much more than people who are just looking to lose weight exactly i feel like also um we're talking about ozempic now and this rise in weight loss or the idea of looking a certain way and that feeds into like a hollywood stereotype of people doing it for aesthetic purposes as opposed to purely health purposes. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think more importantly, people need to actually know that there are other alternatives to this like GLP-1 uh, analog treatments for diabetes type 2 or simply for like weight loss. And I think people who can best advise them would be professionals who are working with these drugs constantly. Um, yeah, but, but I do think that it's definitely almost like a fashion. I wouldn't want to say fashion drug, but it is kind of, isn't it? Yeah, that's kind of sad. I mean, we see we see um, celebrities promoting other things like vitamins and supplements, yes. which, I mean, probably won't really do you any bad, but maybe they're not really going to help you that much. Um, but it's, yes. I think it becomes a problem when 
people are asking for a drug that they may not necessarily need or they could try other things first and it's causing a shortage in supply for the people who actually need it. I think so. I think definitely um, it one sort of brand came into mind and that's Goop. You know, I know that they have quite a lot of health or pseudoscience driven health products, which I don't really think, uh, well, it's something that you have to take with a pinch of salt and with your own judgment, obviously. But yeah, I'm a little bit afraid that this is kind of something that we've spoken about before, how people just started doing things because those things are getting like more attraction and more attention. Like this with the stem cell um sort of tourism that happened that we talked about last a few episodes ago when I talked about um sports injury and stem cells. So that's sort of been pushed because of the uh the popularity of stem cells. But speaking of that topic, I wanted to talk about the alternatives to Ozempic and one of those could be cell therapies. I do know that Nova Nordics and Aspect Biosystem, which is a biotechnology um, company, uh, they're working together to develop this bioprinted cell therapies that is based on implantable tissues. And the first phase is to focus on helping people with type 1 diabetes to maintain a normal blood glucose levels without the need for immunosuppression. So basically without having to take any drugs to suppress their immune system. And I think their goal is basically to make this allogeneic cell therapy last longer than insulin treatments. Because as we know, insulin treatments needs to be like you need to take it every few weeks or every few months. But they're looking to use the cell therapy as almost like a cure. And the way they do it is I just want to go a little bit deeper into the product. Um, they have the software aspect biosystem. They have the software to design the cells and materials, which are then fed into their proprietary microfluidic bioprinting technology. So imagine like a 3D bioprinter that can print out like tissues and cells just by putting in like the starting materials, uh, they can turn them into living tissues. So uh, they're looking to make these therapies into off-the-shelf therapies. So as we've spoken before, it's basically taking the cells um, from like a donor or from like a bank. So they're not taking the patient cells themselves to make it. And while that it might not necessarily replace the treatment for people with type 2 diabetes, which are the majority of people who are using drugs like Ozempic, um, they are looking to treat and cure people with type 1 diabetes. And yeah, I think I think it's a very exciting technology that's coming, you know, towards diabetes and this sort of diseases. I think that'd be really um, great to see as well, because from what I understand, if you live in a place where you have to get private healthcare and you buy what you need to treat yourself for type 1 diabetes it's quite expensive if you don't have insurance or health insurance so that could be really helpful to have a, a better therapeutic option for people living with type 1 diabetes yeah because i think those people like i know somebody from my school who actually um have injections almost every day i think because he has type 1 diabetes and you know it's such a hindrance on not only the patient but the patient's families so a lot of times his family has to make sure that he has the right drugs and that could be quite um very hard and i think having these sort of solutions that is like a one one time like you know for life kind of drug is very attractive if it's affordable obviously that's a different as a different topic but um yeah i think this is still it's still quite interesting alternative to the current sort of treatments that have already been on the market yeah, definitely. It's nice to see something that could actually be curative and not just therapeutic. Yeah, and it kind of sparks more interest, though. I think that's another thing I wanted to ask you. If you think it was um, 
actually like the other side of the coin of like the ozempic rise it might have caused more attention towards drugs and um, to treat diabetes and maybe it will make people a little bit more um i don't know attuned to this disease because what i've read in the news was that canadian governments are i think speculated to funded a biotech company uh, that is developing a diabetes treatment with cell therapies so i was wondering if you think there's some sort of connection there where okay the rise the attention of ozempic making other sort of pharmaceuticals and biotechs like think about solutions to do with diabetes interesting maybe i feel like so a lot of people uh, live with type 1 diabetes and i think also especially in the western world so i think that's why people for example governments would fund that it's something that needs to be treated um, and affects a lot of people so there's probably a big push but I think in terms of being in the public consciousness, maybe you could argue that Ozempic makes people think about, okay, why is this, what's this drug intended for? Um, and maybe think about diabetes a bit. Um, I also think we tend to, to talk about type 2 diabetes more than we talk about type 1 diabetes. Um, mm. I guess uh, there's a rise of diseases related to being overweight or obese at the moment. So that's probably why. But I think it is interesting to encourage a conversation about both type 1 and type 2 diabetes and how cell therapy could better treat and look after people in the future. Yeah, I think I agree with what you're saying. It basically sparks this conversation and sort of allow people to critically think about why the drug is being used this way. I do think that I wanted to say that it's like a positive spin that came out of this whole rise of Ozempic and celebrities using it as like a weight loss drug. It's not just the public's attention that you're getting, it's the pharmaceutical companies, it's the drug developers, and they're all looking to make more money, essentially. And, um, <laughs> you know, that could be like a dire topic to talk about. But I do think that the positive bit that came out of it is that there will be more drugs that are developed um, for type 1 and 2 diabetes, and hopefully like a cure like cell therapies. It's interesting you mentioned... Um... I totally agree as well. But it's interesting that you mentioned drug companies wanting to make money. And we're talking about type 1 diabetes and how um, they have lots of different parts and things that they need and they need insulin and to inject themselves with that insulin. So if you're creating a one-time therapy or something that you need, say, that every every 10 years, uh, a drug company or pharma company is going to make less money from that one-time treatment or treatment that's needed less frequently. Do you think that pharma companies will find a way to, I guess, extort more money from people with type 1 diabetes to make them need it more regularly? And do you think that would affect the way that we manufacture or um, create stem cell therapies for diabetes? I think you brought up a really good point. Uh, although I do think it is very difficult to manipulate the drug like a cell therapy or a gene therapy that is to uh, to be more periodic or that you would need throughout each year or each month because the nature of the therapy itself is to be curable is to use the stem cells so that it um, attacks and changes your biological functions so it's not really there as like a replacement of the current treatments that has been but it's supposed to be there to be like a better treatment so I I think maybe there are ways to go about it because we're so used to hearing about different types of drugs, right? But I think those sort of small molecule drugs, which is a different set of treatment from stem cell therapies, is that they target specific mechanism or like a pathway 
um, to target a certain disease group of cells, a certain biological function of our body that is failing or needs repairing. So I think that leaves more room for manipulation of certain drugs. Whereas for cell therapies, it's I think it's very clear as what it does and what it can or can't do. <laughs> so I feel like it's a bit more, it's a little bit harder. Yeah. And it costs a lot as is. Like I would say that it is quite expensive to just take one dose of that treatment. Um, so I don't know if there will be a need to have or the pharma companies would feel the need to make different stage one, two, three. But then, you know, again, we I don't know we have enough long-term studies to really support the effectiveness of themselves over 10 year period or 20 years period so anything can happen i will leave it at that <laughs> No, that's like a, I think that's a really fair, really fair answer. I think today's episode is just a, a quick catch up with this topic. Yeah, we just want to have like a more relaxing episode this weekend. And uh, I also wanted to just have a conversation with you as well, because it's been a while. Um, I feel like this week just flew by, really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think I just want to finish off the episode with like a one get to know you question, which Ooh. did we agree on like a, an outdoor or an indoor? Ooh, we did, we did. Mm. Um, so in the UK, at least in like England, Wales at the moment, it's quite, spring is springing, let's put it that way. It's quite <laughs> sunny outside. Um, for all the people with hay fever, I'm starting <laughs> to support. Um, <laughs> right there with them. <laughs> So the question is, are you more of an indoor person or an outdoor person? And depending on which one, what's your favourite activity to do? Mm, I would say that I am more of an indoor. I used to be more of an outdoor person when I was younger because of all activities you have to do outside. And uh, especially if the weather is really nice. Um, but now I feel like I'm obligated as a semi-adult to like go outside and get some vitamin D <laughs> um, or like get some food, get some groceries, like go see a film, but still you're going outdoor to get indoor again. So I feel like I'm just, I'm more comfortable being an indoor person now. That would be my answer, which I'm not sure it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of similar to you in the sense that I'm an indoor person in the sense that you'd have to really push me to go outside. But when I am outside, I'll enjoy being outside. Mm. So I don't yeah. know if it's just that I'm lazy or that I'm antiquely an outdoor person or if I'm actually an indoor person. Um, <laughs> but favourite indoor activity, I feel like would be watching a bad movie. Oh, bad movie? Yes. I have, there's a, an enjoyment that comes from watching a ridiculous movie um, that is unrivaled by <laughs> 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 anything else. Um, um, and then if I'm outside, I think like a nice walk. I thought like that's always good. Bit of vitamin D. Look at something pretty. Go to a beach. Go to a mountain. That yeah. sort of vibe. Yeah. Destination mountain. Exactly. But yes. I'd also like to be airlifted up the mountain. I don't actually have to to walk up it because that's yeah. just. You just want to like gaze on the views. You don't really need the physicality of actually getting exactly <laughs> yeah yeah who needs all those endorphins <laughs> oh i think yeah i do agree because um my favorite indoor activity is to swim you know and that's that's a really funny thing because back in the days i used to swim outside a lot uh, at school because in thailand it's like basically you have to swim outdoor there's not a lot of indoor pools 
and you get a lot of sun, so it's always really hot, and you get such tan on you. And you know, to people who love getting tan, getting tan, it's not like getting tan from like a spray. It's very different from getting tan from the sun. You yeah. feel the heat. It's not that <laughs> nice, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't recommend it too much. Um, and so yeah, I do really like swimming indoors now, especially if the water's not too cold. It's just like perfect temperature, refreshing, you know. I have a follow-up question. So mm. for those of you that didn't know, Tim used to, to swim. Uh mm. she's compete. So my question is, what was your event? And what has it changed now, like your favorite stroke? Oh right. Uh, I like butterfly. So mm. some people call it front crawl, which I would never understand because that's not how you crawl. But <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do like butterfly because that's the one stroke nobody else wants to do. Not really, except me and a couple of my friends uh, back in school. But I usually get this long distance front crawl or butterfly, and it's not very like easy you know so i always felt like sort of proud of myself for being able to do it and go through with it <laughs> um, so what you're saying is you're secretly michael phelps that's that's what you're saying <laughs> hardly <laughs> you're just better than God. everyone else <laughs> oh well i mean like look i wish i wasn't like i wish i was actually like trying a little bit harder but michael phelps is unbeatable not because of just training but his physique if you like really He's study physique, yeah yeah like <laughs> sometimes sports that's just it it's just your genetics and how yeah. your environment and how it's molded you so yeah yeah what, what about you what's your favorite stroke um I feel like okay, it's not like what I would call front crawl is not butterfly, but front actual front crawl. But that's actually despite that, that's not my favorite. I think it'd be backstroke. Backstroke, okay. But I still can't go in a straight line, so yeah, I will be bumping into everyone. That's like normal thing. Don't feel like any type of way about it because I've been doing it and I just don't like it. I just don't like it because it's you can't see where you're going and it's just I, I was taught a trick to like flip like you know the other way before you like reach the um the end of the pool so yeah. as you're reaching yeah and I, I don't like that because water goes into your nose when you do it too quickly I've never been able to do that so yeah <laughs> also the idea of water going up my nose I don't don't like that yeah. either this is why i I'm not the best at swimming. <laughs> you know what? But I don't I don't miss it too much, competitive swimming. I really just wish like we were on like a beach or something. That would be super yeah. nice. And, and me just chilling. I really I'm really down with watching a bad film. Like I was just like giggling in my head because I have a list of them, you know, like all those bad films that you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's like a mood. That's like a day <laughs> for it. But, yeah. One thing we recommend If you're going to be indoors Watch a bad movie mm. Watch it with a friend yeah. And just laugh at it Because I feel that's the the best Yeah and if you must go outside um, Just go when it's sunny uh, Really try to bring an umbrella Because you don't know Whether in England 
like it's just crazy so <laughs> couple British tips. weather for you yeah oh well that was good um I guess uh, we hope that you enjoy this episode and uh, we'll come back next week with a different one. Yeah, looking forward to talking to you guys again. Make sure to join us in our next episode and check out our blog post at seriouslystemcells.wordpress.com forward slash as we continue our exploration of stem cells but for now, from me, Pim. And for me, Ayo, have a lovely day and don't forget to take stem cells very seriously. <laughs>